Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. As we work through the book of Philippians, and, and this morning we're going to be talking about allegiance. And when, when I was thinking about that word allegiance, I thought back to when I was in first grade. Um, I remember, I very clearly remember, I think it was the, the first day I showed up and we all got, you know, stood, st- were told to stand up in our seats and we all faced the flag and we put our hand over our heart and the teacher just started saying, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I never heard that before. And I think it was something where, you know, obviously I didn't know what I was supposed to say. I just saw other people standing there. And so, you know, everybody does, you know, what they're, they're supposed to do. Eventually, after a few weeks, you're like, okay, I, I, I get the gist of what I'm supposed to do here, and I regurgitate the words. But I can guarantee you that not a single child in that classroom had any idea what they were doing. <laughs> I can guarantee it. <laughs> and so when you, you, you think about the idea of the word allegiance, it's a, an interesting word, and I would hazard a guess to say most of us don't use the word allegiance outside of the pledge to our flag in most cases. You know, sure, it, maybe it creeps up here every now and then. What, what is it? What, is, what does that word mean? It's defined as loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or to a cause. And so here we are, we're, we're asking first graders to, to pledge subordination to a cause. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's an interesting thing to think about, that, that that's what we're asking for. An allegiance, another definition is that an allegiance is a duty of fidelity said to be owed or freely committed by the people, subjects or citizens to their state or to their sovereign. I have mentioned before how as followers of Christ, the line can get a little blurry between our allegiance to Jesus and our allegiance to our city, to our state, to our country. Sometimes there's a, a little bit of a question of where, where do my allegiances lie to, to my nation, to the United States of America, or do my allegiances lie to God in heaven? And as we live our lives here on this planet, here on this earth, we can't forget where our citizenship lies. Ultimately, I belong to another king. Ultimately, I belong to a different kingdom. Before we get into our scripture from Philippians, I want us to look at this prayer that Jesus prayed from uh, John chapter 17 and 20. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. 
it doesn't take a whole lot of looking around in this world today to recognize we're not one. <laughs> there, there is a substantial lack of unity. I mean, look at the news. Look at our political system. Look at, at social media. I mean, it takes like just one little scroll and you're like, well, there's a, a conflict that exists for everybody to see. Unity isn't just absent outside of these four walls. Within the walls of the church, disunity still exists. In Philippians three seventeen through 21. It says, brothers, join me, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. It is so important to recognize context. And I know I have banged this drum week after week after week, but we have to come back yet again and recognize here is somebody saying, hey, I want you to be like me. And everyone is receiving his letter says, well, Paul, you're sitting in a prison cell. And Paul says, exactly. <laughs> Be like me. Paul is, is writing this letter, encouraging the, the followers of Christ to, to recognize that there is joy right where they're at. That Paul has joy right where he's at. that this time through allegiance that we're called to share in Christ Jesus. And Paul invites us this morning to join with him, just, just as he has written to the, the, the people in Philippi, as he's writing to the Philippians, he's inviting us to choose to walk according to biblical truth rather than focusing on the political, social, whatever agenda of the day. And it is important for us this morning to understand what does that mean. I want to be super clear. I am proud to live in the country that I live in. I am blessed beyond anything that I could imagine to live where I live and to be uh, away from some of the things that exist in this world. Many have never seen biblical Christianity because they have never positioned themselves around people who are practicing it. And this goes to what we were talking about earlier about having this time where we can come together and we can learn what it means to be a follower of Christ, where we can, can take time to recognize those areas in our life where we need to be transformed. 
by the renewing of our minds so that we can be more like Jesus. Paul is exhorting his listeners to seek out others. He says, go find people, find, follow me if you need somebody to follow so that you have true examples that you can pattern your life after. We might ask the question, Pastor Matt, what do I need to do to to live a life for Christ? And you know what my answer is supposed to be? My answer is supposed to be, do what I do. Look at my life, and you do what I do. And if if you follow what I do, that's going to lead you to, to live a life in line with Christ. And then everyone says, man, it, maybe, maybe we need to talk to Matt about his pride issues. <laughs> seems, seems like he's dealing with a little overinflated ego. But 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, if you want to become more like Christ, imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's, that's supposed to be how things work. And here's the exciting part. It's not just supposed to be follow Matt as Matt follows Christ. It's supposed to be follow Carolyn as Carolyn follows Christ. Follow Diane as Diane follows Christ. There are people that you have relationship with, people that, that you have access to, that you are to be Christ to in your everyday life. People that, that I don't know, people that I don't have any, any contact with. You don't need the, the, the position of being a pastor sometimes can be put in this little box of just being somebody who talks on Sunday mornings. It's, it's just the person that, that teaches out of the, the Bible for this period of time. But there needs to be more than just a teacher, a communicator. There has to be someone that you're doing life with. That's what leads to growth in the body of Christ. That's what leads to spiritual maturity. And if we're all just dependent on this time right here to be how we grow in the body of Christ, we're not gonna. Guys, that is too much pressure on me. (laughs) I I can't handle it. But what we see there is that is the the heart of discipleship. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Paul mentions in another letter that there have been plenty of guides, but not enough fathers. That's essentially what we just talked about, that that there have been plenty of guides. I, as a a pastor, am a guide. I am someone who's showing you this is is what it means to follow Jesus. and, And I also am supposed to be a father. Are there supposed to be relationships that I have where I'm saying, come in and model your life after the way I'm following Christ. As, and as I improve, you can improve with me. But that's a, a totally different obligation. It's a totally different uh, process that's happening in my life. If we look at, at Christianity today, there are plenty of online sermons. 
There are plenty of, of people who preach the word of God so much better than I ever could. There are people that have podcasts. There are people that have thousands and thousands of people that come and listen and, and, and watch what it is that they're doing. But there have been far too few fathers come, coming alongside people who are saying, I'm willing to give my life to Jesus. What do I do now? How do I, how do I shape my life? I, I know that I'm called to repent. I know that I'm called to turn away and, and to change, but what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to say, how do I become more like Christ? Come and follow me, and I will show you what it means to follow Jesus. That's what, I'm, that's what I've been called to say. And now let's stop for just a minute and say, well, Matt, I don't feel like I can say that. That's, that's the, the next question, right? Is, well, well, if I'm telling people that they're supposed to be following me so that, so that they can see what it means to follow Jesus, is my life really worth following? I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> I, can, I can answer that question for me and say there's work that needs to be done. And thankfully through the Holy Spirit, he directs. He guides. And he thankfully covers up the, the mistakes and the splotches that, that exist in my life so that when people are looking at me, they, they will be able to, to see the mistakes that I've made and, and recognize that in the midst of all of that, there is grace. True discipleship, true growth, Jesus prioritizes imitation over information. There is a lot of information that exists in this world. When we onboard a new client within my IT business, one of the things that we do is we, we go into this company and we, we gather information about them. We document everything that, that we need to know. So in terms of how they do email, in terms of every line of business application that they're using, how do they use Microsoft Word, Excel, Outlook, all of these different programs? How do they turn their alarm on at the end of the day? How do they lock their doors? What hours are they open? Who sells things? Who buys things? How do we, how do we have relationship with them and make sure that we're helping them achieve their business goals? And all of that just grows and grows and grows. And then as those things change, we update that documentation. There's a lot of information that exists in the world. But is there imitation? The way to have a successful marriage is by looking at what it means to have a successful marriage in other people and, and putting yourself in proximity to them and learning from them and receiving from them. And that's not to say if you don't have that opportunity, you're not gonna have a successful marriage, but that is an extremely helpful way to grow in that relationship is to put yourself in that situation where you see what it means. When you have an example that you can follow, when you learn in school, the teacher is putting that example up in front of the class and saying, this is what it means to do long division. 
Follow me as I do long division. Now you go out and you do long division by yourself. And if it's a really advanced class, then it's now you go teach your friends how to do long division. That's the, that's the, the process. And that's how, how people learn best. They learn best by seeing an example, then doing the example, and then teaching that example to someone else. Now, maybe we can make the leap here and say this isn't just applicable to long division. If you look at a child that's being raised, a child growing up will imitate the example that is in front of it, good or bad. This is where we say, thank you, Jesus, for do-overs. <laughs> but it, it's time for a reality check. If the time that we as a church spent away from each other in the past year, two years, if that time away from each other did not disrupt your spiritual rhythms in any way, you need to look into whether or not you have those spiritual relationships. If you were able to just go on your merry way and everything stayed exactly the same during a time where we were torn apart from one another, that is a problem. That means that those relationships aren't present and that means that there isn't growth happening. If we look back at our study that we had a few weeks ago, we're called to value the body of Christ because together we follow the call of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about there's, there's people that we shouldn't follow. All of you are kind of thinking of somebody in your mind. <laughs> there are those within the walls of religion that are against the ways of Jesus. And you have to be careful who you hit your wagon to. I encourage you every single Sunday when you're here, when you're, you're with me, when you're in this place, if what I'm saying doesn't line up with the word of God, I'm wrong. There, there is never going to be an instance where, where what I say <laughs> trumps what's going on in the, the word of God. And that needs to be applied to anybody that, that you are choosing to, to receive coaching from, that you are choosing to, to allow to provide input into your life. Is what they are saying in alignment with the word of God or... Are they sharing things from the Bible that maybe are out of context? Are they maybe sharing things that, that come from the, the word of God, but they're being misused to support something that just makes them feel comfortable? Something that could maybe make you feel more comfortable? 
from our, our verse this morning in, in verse 18, it says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Be careful whose teaching you choose to follow. In, in Paul's time, there were people that were teaching something that was close to Scripture. And it was so easy to get caught up in, well, this seems like this could, could work, but they were adding to. They were saying, yeah, Scripture's great, but we just need to add on a, a few extra things. Church, there is never a reason to add to the Word of God. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People can sound religious. And I'm using the word religious very specifically. <laughs> Just because I share with you a verse from the Bible and build an entire doctrine, an entire position of faith around it, doesn't mean that it's automatically correct. It is all too easy to become laser focused on specific verses in the Bible and, and handpick specific verses from the Bible and say, well, well, I like the way that sounds. Because th that, that means that, that if this is, is the piece of scripture that is true for me, then I get to, to build my life around that. And that's not touching this other area of my life that I'd rather us not talk about right now. If we look at Romans 8, 28, and we know that all, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There is a Romans 8, 29, church. And in Romans 8, 29, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of God. Yes, God knows that in all things, He is able to work for your good. But as he is working for your good, your good is not that you all of a sudden get to have a couple extra zeros in your bank account. Your good is not that you get an additional meal on the table. Your good is that you become more like Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But there is in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, I am saved by faith, and the reaction out of my life is that I am supposed to work and demonstrate that inward change that has taken place. I'm not supposed to be the same lump sitting on the chair. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. But if you read both chapters, five and six, we see that all these things that we so like to, to reference, again, all these things, it sounds nice, right? We just get to pray that, that all of these things will be added to us. Do you know what all of these things are? 
All of these things are, are the sufferings that Paul experienced. All of these things are, are hardships and difficulty here on this earth because we are looking for all of these things in, in eternal heaven with Jesus Christ. And it is so tempting to focus on what we're going to get that we are so tempted to apply the what are we gonna get to this life. But the fact of the matter is this life is, is fleeting. If we look at the Sermon on the Mount that comes from the, the, the book of Matthew, we see that, that Jesus was very specific. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who, who mourn. That's, that's what we have here in this time, here on this earth. But that's just a flash. That's just a short time compared to an eternity with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the, that altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 9, 15 through 27, it says where 13 and 14 refer to pastors and, and church staff. Paul goes on to describe the responsibilities, the training, the dedication, and the endurance necessary to live out the ministry. To have a life that, that demonstrates that I am a follower of Christ. And the, the fact of the matter is it, it's not very comfortable to sit down and recognize that there is an expectation on somebody who has made a decision to follow Jesus. There is an expectation that your life has changed. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But if you take that to 24... It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, self-control. Those, those things, gentleness, excuse me, I missed one. Those things are to exist in my life. And, and so often we, we stop at the good fruit of the Spirit that is going to come out. But the fact of the matter is there, there is an expectation that I have crucified my flesh, that I have put to death the old me, and that the new me is now living the life that Christ has called me to. One more. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We couldn't do this list and not share Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And 12 and 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me 
and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The book of Jeremiah leading up to chapter 29 is about Israel's disobedience. It's about God's punishment on his people. In fact, chapter 29 is written to the people of Israel who have been exiled to Babylon. They were there because of their disobedience. If you look at chapters 25 and 27, it it goes into that. The promises that we see in chapter 29 are for the restoration following judgment, understanding that discipline brings about obedience. And so it is so easy to take that, don't get me wrong, this is a beautiful verse. And there are absolutely appropriate times in in today's modern context that it makes sense for us to apply this verse. But church, we need to know what it is that surrounds both ends of the things we're applying. Yes, God knows the plans that he has for me. Plans to, to prosper and not to harm me. Thank you, Jesus, that that is true. (laughs) And my response to that is also specified in the word of God. My response to that, because he knows the plans for me, then I'm to call on him. I'm to come and to pray, and and he will listen, and I'm to seek him. It's it's not just a a blanket guarantee that God knows the plans he has for me and I'm never gonna run into a problem that exists in my life because God knows the plans he has for me. Churches, that is what you think. This is gonna take like all of five minutes for you to be let down. (laughs) When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he used the word of God. Just because something comes from the Bible does not mean that that is where we build our, our truth, where we build our, our foundation. Beware of those whose version of faith always seems to satisfy personal cravings. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about there. They serve their belly. We all have cravings. We're, we're called to be careful about listening to people who, who build their entire existence around satisfying those cravings. They're, to use Paul's word, their mind is set on earthly things. Sure, sometimes our, our minds are set on earthly things. You know, sometimes we forget. Sometimes it's easy to be distracted, but the, the fact of the matter is, is it, I, if I am the center of my walk with Jesus... We're not doing something right. If I am the center of my walk with Jesus, if I am putting everything through the lens of how does this affect me, how does this make me feel, how is this going to benefit me, then we are not doing it right. If I read God's word and it it pushes against how I want to live my life, And so I start to rationalize it in order to be able to live my life the way that I want. We need to make a change.
it is so easy to be distracted by the things that are going on around us. So easy. When things like COVID are going on, it is so easy to become distracted and, and focused on the things of this world. And man, I am sick and tired of this restaurant being closed that I want to go to. I'm so sick and tired of, of having to put on this mask, of, you know, whatever the case was during that time. And it, I'm picking on that because it's such a stark contrast. <laughs> but it was so easy to get focused on those things as opposed to what is this environment, what is this, this terrible thing that's happening in the world introduces an opportunity for us as followers of Jesus. This journey of Christianity It's named after Jesus. Jesus died on a cross which he didn't deserve to pay the penalty for my sins, thus making a way for me to go and be with him for all of eternity. Our entire religion, our, our entire family of God, this entire movement of Foursquare, excuse me, this entire gospel is really built around that truth, right? That an innocent sufferer went to the cross for something that he didn't deserve. And yet somehow in his name, I've turned it to be about me. I have, have made the choice to, to take that perfect sacrifice, that undeserved death, the shedding of blood that, that makes a way for me to be with Jesus for all of eternity. And I have choose to say, well, this is all about me, really. In that version of Christianity, Christ isn't king, I am. And so the... My, my request to you this morning is to, to just take a moment. Look at your life. Look at the choices that you make, the words that you speak, how you, you choose to spend your time, how you choose to spend your talents and your resources, and, and ask yourself, am, am I the king? Am I the center of my walk with Christ, or is Jesus? We are called to have heavenly citizenship. The reason that this world never seems to fit for us is because we were not made for this world. We were built for another one. I'm proud again, as I say, to live in the United States of America. We are blessed to live here. But what we are being reminded about this morning is that my identity does not come from this country. My identity does not come from the, the politicians in office. My identity does not come from social media. My identity comes from Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. I am not called to be comfortable in this world. That was never the promise. That was never on the contract. <laughs>
as we come to a close, there's one thing that I, I wanted to end with, and I think this is super important. We don't talk about it very much because churches, as a pastor, I, tip, I stay away from politics. Politics isn't appropriate for me to, to talk about up here because that's just, that's something that's between you and God. I'm not going to be the one that makes those decisions for you. But I want to share something that I think is really important, regardless of, of what your, your mindset is. And this is this. Never let a political party define your ethical standard. We can't allow other people, other flawed human beings to make decisions that we choose to define the, the ethical choices that we're going to make, the, the way that we're going to follow Christ. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, I don't care what party we're talking about, and I'm not going to get into the specifics here. <laughs> that is definitely not what we're talking about today. But never let a political party define your ethical standard. We should always be checking those that we follow against a higher standard. The, the people's decisions and choices that we choose to follow need to be checked against the word of God and say, does this line up? Is this appropriate within the, the context of the word of God? Because ultimately, I'm not choosing to follow the, the president of the United States. I'm not choosing to follow a senator or a congressman. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And if you want to come alongside me, Mr. President, then I will gladly go with you. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we ask you to once again shape and change and mold us into who you would have us be. God, we want to be like you. God, we, we have to have you working in our life if we are to be going out into our, our circles of influence and saying, follow me as I follow Jesus. God, in order for, for me to have that conversation, I, I have to be changed and transformed by you. Otherwise, I'm just gonna be a fake. God, I wanna know you. Lord, as we make decisions in our life in terms of who we're going to listen to, who we're going to allow to, to direct and guide and influence our, our walk with you, cause us to be mindful. Cause us to be aware. Lord, help us to, to know your word so that we can, can be sure. God, I ask that you would bless your people this morning. Bless each and every person here this morning as they have come to this place, if they have sacrificed their time 
to become more like you, Lord. We ask that you would bless it and that you would, would bear fruit in the lives of your people. God, as we go out from this place into the world, Lord, we ask that you would create divine appointments for your people, that, that there would be uh, relationships that are, are formed that, that can't help but ask the question of why are you different? And we can come and we can say, I'm different because I've been with Jesus. God, we wanna be like you. We want to know you. As we move to our, our ministry time this morning, I would ask that we do just, just stop for just a moment. Just pause and, and close your eyes, bow your heads, and, and just take five minutes. And the first four of those five minutes are gonna be all of those distractions that, that exist in your life going away, <laughs> silencing all of those different things that exist that, that would get in the way of you hearing from what God has to say. But once we get into that time of truly setting aside the distractions of this time, ask that question, God, are, are you the center? Or have I put myself on the throne of my heart? Are you the focus? Are you the intention? Or have I stepped up and, and put myself first? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 